Hello, and welcome to episode 9 of the Hyperion Gazette podcast. Now, yes, you might be thinking, Isaac, your voice sounds a little bit weird this week. And, dear listener, you'd be right. I, literally in the past half an hour, have started coming down with a cold. I cannot believe it. I've made it into spring, and I'm getting a cold. No, I'm not enjoying this. But such is my dedication to you and the fact that I'm pretty proud of the, uh, the, the research I've done for this week's episode that uh, I'm going to record one anyway. So uh, yeah, um, let's get going really I guess. I don't really want to waste too much time. Oh yeah, Z- Zootropolis, Zootopia, Zootropolis, that's out this week in the UK. Um, I plan on seeing it this weekend, I hope. Maybe on Friday. I can find the time um, so yeah expect some coverage from me on that because um, I'd like to get some sort of live opinions rather than sort of historical facts which is kind of what I'm what my main bag is so yeah uh, look out for that on your on your podcast feed you remember last week we discussed um, the Sherman brothers uh, again I'm gonna reiterate a couple of absolute geniuses uh, and I put a question out there, and that question was, "What is your favourite Sherman Brothers tune?" Now we've got a couple of responses. Uh, the first is from uh, Mitra Disney, who is superb at getting feedback back to me, so much so that he actually did a whole flipping podcast with me. So, yeah, nice one, Mitchell. Uh, he says um, that his favourite has got to be uh, the Bear Necessities. His exact words were, Hello! Exclamation mark. Bear Necessities in all caps. So he feels very strongly about that, evidently. Um, Stephen Drabwell, which is at Stephen Drabwell, uh, he said, Easy uh, to answer. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow, which I actually didn't mention in the past podcast. We might have been a bit of an outside movie. But he said, It was apparently... Um, uh, in the Sherman Brothers' words, Walt's theme, and it's easy to see why, isn't it? Very sort of optimistic, futuristic view of the future. That that was Walt, wasn't it? Yeah. So um, again, thanks so much for uh, for your feedback, guys. Uh, so yeah, that's that. Um, let's get on with today's topic now, which is um, quite interesting. I think uh, I think you'll like this. Back in 1965, uh, still high-flying Walt Disney uh, bought an island uh, in Florida. Yep, you heard me right. He bought an entire island. Uh, And this was in line with the rest of the acquisitions he was doing uh, so he could build sort of a a bigger, better Disneyland called Disney World. It wasn't called Walt Disney World at the time, but yes, you know it. We will discuss that in a later episode. Anyway, it was decided that this island would be a place where guests could visit and uh, observe wildlife, basically. And in making the perfect guest retreat, Disney uh, added nearly 15,000 cubic yards of soil, making the island 11 acres yard. Uh, They also brought in sort of a bunch of boulders and rocks and trees imported from all over the place, really, including sort of the Himalayas and South Africa. So all in all, this is a classic Disney operation in making your attraction. Uh, and in 1974, it finally opened with the name Treasure Island. As you can probably gather, this meant the island had a, a pirate theme. Um, 
but and this was to tie in with the 1950 film, the same name, Treasure Island, obviously. But Walt actually wanted it to have a much larger pirate theme than it, than it did in the end. Um, he wanted it to be called Blackpool's Island originally. However, it didn't really come to pass, um, and pretty much all of the attractions on the island were actually really animal-focused. Anyway, the island was fairly popular, with guests using the Walt Disney World cruise to get to the island. And in 1978, we actually got a name changed, and the island was named Discovery Island, which is a much more appropriate name, considering its distinct lack of anything pirate-related. Disney decided to start using it as... publicity machine? I don't really know if that's the right word. But basically, the island's head, Charles Cook, was often seen uh, sort of posing with birds, etc., uh, on the front of magazine covers. And in 1981, they were recognised for their efforts by the island being officially recognised as an accredited zoological park, or, in normal speak, a zoo, by the American Association of Zoological Parks and Aquariums. The park was also actually the home of the last dusky seaside sparrow that unfortunately died in 1987 and now, obviously, is extinct. In 1989, the island was actually the subject of some controversy, with allegations of animal mistreatment, claims such as like uh, the vultures being mishandled. I mean, how could you? They're our friends. Ibis and egret nests were being destroyed, uh, and hawks and falcons were being shot. These allegations, unfortunately, turned out to be mostly true. They all, they've, uh, all had their various reasons, according to Disney employees. But a startling fact is, a shed was actually found on the island with no windows or ventilation. About the size of maybe sort of, do you remember those mobile classrooms? Did anyone have those? Uh, where there were sort of 19 vultures were left, quite literally to rot. I mean, they found a dead vulture in there. They were literally left to rot. Uh, and they sort of left along with a load of old food and rotten waste on the floor. This isn't even the worst part. There had apparently been up to 72 vultures kept in the shed at some point. And apparently there had even been discussions among sort of the sort of uh, island's management that maybe they should destroy the vultures altogether. Let me just say that word again. Destroy. This really wasn't nice for me to learn. I mean, you know I love Disney. I dedicate time to sort of trying to tell people about Disney and you know I spend money on lots of Disney crap that I don't need and I pay extortionate amounts of money to go to the parks but this quite frankly is disgraceful like whatever the animals had done this this is inexcusable but staggeringly this isn't when the park closed it stayed open for a further 10 years, until Animal Kingdom opened in 1999, when many of the island's animals were actually brought over there, and it looks like um, they actually have a much better life over there. Now there's never really been a consensus reason as to why Discovery Island closed. I mean really the fact that Animal Kingdom was basically the same thing sounds like the most convincing to me, along with the fact that once you've treated animals the way they did, it's kind of difficult to wash clean that stain from your image. But what's actually happened to Discovery Island since? I mean it's good land, it's a flipping island, and surely something can be done with it. Well. There have been a load of rumours about what to do with it, 
Have you ever heard of the Mist Games? Well, they nearly made a special Mist experience for the island, where basically a set number of guests would sort of be left on the island in the morning, and they'd have to figure out mysteries and puzzles with unique plots to each adventure. But unfortunately, perhaps not surprisingly, this fell through. There was also some bizarre rumours that it was going to become a version of the island from Lost, with a big petition being made which even had sort of the show's lead writer sort of sign it. However, this also turned out to be a hoax. But surely something is going on there. I mean, that's a long time for sort of an island to be deserted. I mean, we're getting on 20 years. We must be doing something with it. You would think so, wouldn't you? But no. A photographer named Shane Perez actually swam over to the island back in 2009, and everything is exactly as it was. Well, except obviously it's been completely overrun by the landscape. But otherwise, it's as it was. He took a bunch of pictures, guys, and seriously, it's, it's proper creepy. I mean, they still leave the lights on, as if it's still open. I... It really, it makes no sense. It's all very, very strange. And I've copied a link into the show notes because I'm not going to do these pictures justice. But seriously, you hear me say there's stuff in the show notes almost every week. I know when I hear there's stuff in show notes in podcasts, I don't always look. But if you only ever look at one link in a show note, look at this one. Because honestly, it's, it's, it's creepy as. Yeah, check it out. Anyway... That's the story of Discovery Island. I mean, surely they'll do something with it eventually, right? I mean, to me, I think Avatar Land probably would have made the most sense. But that's also going to Animal Kingdom. I mean, what do you reckon, guys? Could they do something with this? And that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is our question for this week. What would you do with Discovery Island now? As little or as detailed as you like, just let me know and I'll get it read out. I mean, I don't know if you listen to the Dedicated to DLP podcast, but they're often doing sort of stuff with what what attraction would you put there or design a parade. I'd like you to design a land or... If you don't have time for that, just any sort of idea. Let's get this, let's get a discussion going because, um, yeah, I think this is sort of prime, prime real estate. Real estate, I'm going to go with land because I'm English, British. Prime land for the Disney company to do something with. So, what do you reckon? Um, you can uh, let me know by Twitter or perhaps uh, oh, sorry, our Twitter handle is at uh, Hyperion Gazette or perhaps email might be better suited to this uh, Hyperion Gazette at gmail.com uh, I'm really looking forward to reading what you have to say on this because uh, I found this really really interesting anyway if you could leave us a review on iTunes I'd be very very grateful uh, but now I think that's all from me. Um, until next time. Uh, bye bye. Goodbye now. Goodbye.